Father, we do pray that you will show us Christ. We pray that you will write these words on our hearts. We pray that you will set our hearts on you. We pray that you'll give us confidence in the work that you are doing in us. Build our trust and dependence on Jesus today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In the, in the lead-up to Christmas and after Christmas, uh, Ivan took us through three uh, passages in Isaiah where we looked at the, the, the promised king. We looked at um, the perfect king, and we looked at the promised perfect kingdom. Um, but we, we're not in that kingdom yet. We, we're living now waiting for the return of our king who will bring us into that kingdom. Uh, over the next uh, two weeks, we're going to look at a couple of passages from John 15, which shows us how we are to live now in this world, waiting for that perfect kingdom, waiting for the return of our king. In John 13 and 14, Jesus had been teaching his disciples that his kingdom is coming, but there's a delay in the inauguration of that kingdom. There's a delay in the full experience of that kingdom. Jesus told them that he's going to the Father, but that they can't go with. But he, he tells them that he will come back and that he will take them to be with him. And in 15 to 17, chapters 15 to 17, uh, Jesus shows them how they are to live now as they wait for that return, as they wait for that future kingdom. Uh, 2022 has started, a new year. I wonder how we're feeling about the year. Uh, the last two have not been the greatest. I wonder what our hopes and desires are for 2022. Uh, 20, 2020, 2021 threw a lot of curveballs at us. I guess two years ago, none of us were expecting to experience the last two years that we have. So what, what are our hopes and dreams for this coming year? What, what do we want to accomplish? Uh, maybe there's some things that personally you want to put in place to make you um, more productive. Maybe you want to work on your health. Maybe you want to um, build yourself up in the workplace. Maybe spend more time with family. Maybe the hopes and dreams are just to have a bit more of a normal year. Stop wearing masks. Spend closer time together. But what about from a Christian perspective? What about our relationship with God? The end of 2022... And we look back on the year. What, what will be the things that will say, well, we had a good year from a Christian perspective? In, in John 15, the focus here is on bearing fruit. Surely that's something that we all want. We all want to look back on 2022 and say, well, that was a year where we bore fruit in our relationship with God. Now, over the past few years, we've been uh, trying to get a bit of a garden established uh, at, our, at our house. It's been uh, slow, steady work, and I think we've actually finally made some progress. We've had to learn a lot about pruning, a lot about um, dealing with pests and all sorts of things. Um, in the passage that we're looking at here, we see it, it picks up on the metaphor of, of gardening, of the vine, of, of pruning, of fruit-bearing. And here, here we see that Jesus is the vine, that God is the, is the gardener. 
and that we as his people are the branches. Now, there's a lot of uh, significance to this image of the vine. It's, it's really deeply rooted in the Old Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, Israel is often described as the vine. Numerous times uh, we, we see Israel described. One example is in Isaiah chapter 5. Let me just read uh, a few verses there. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one has a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug it up, he cleared it of stones, he planted it with choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a vine press as well. Then he looked for a good crop of grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you, dwellers in Jerusalem, people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I did for it? But when I looked for good grapes, why did it only yield bad? Now I tell you I'm going, uh, what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedges and it will be destroyed. I'll break down its walls and it will be trampled. Every time in the Old Testament that Israel, the people of Israel, are described as the vine, we see that it is a fruitless vine, and it comes with this uh, uh, warning of an impending judgment because of their unfaithfulness. And ultimately, Israel is cut off. They're sent out of the promised land, away from God's blessed uh, place. There's two passages um, that talk about the vine that look forward to a vine that will be fruitful one day. Uh, one of them is Isaiah 27. Just going to read a few verses there from verse 2. In that day, sing about a fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, watched over it. I watered it continually. I guarded it day and night so that no one may harm it. I am not angry for if only there were briars and thorns confronting me, I would march against them in battle. I will set all of them on fire, or else let them come to me for refuge. Let me make peace with, uh, let them make peace with me. Yes, let them make peace with me. In those days, Jacob will take root. Israel will bud and blossom and fill the world with fruit. So these two images that we have from the Old Testament of the vine, one being the failure of the people of Israel, the failure to live in a way that God expected, that God demanded, uh, unfruitfulness, unfaithfulness. But then secondly, a promise of a new vineyard, a new vine, one that will fill the world with fruit. In John 15, Jesus is claiming to be the true vine. And as Jesus uh, talks about the vine, his disciples would have had this, these two Old Testament images in mind. So let's have a look at this image of the vine. We see there's three parts. Uh, there's, there's the vine, there's the gardener, and there's the branches. In verse 1, we see that Jesus identifies himself as the true vine. He says, I am the true vine. 
Jesus identifying himself is identifying himself as the faithful one, the true faithful Israel. Where Israel failed, Jesus is saying that he will succeed. Israel failed to bear fruit, Jesus will bear fruits. Here's that promised vine that the Old Testament was looking for, the one that will bear fruit and fill the world with fruit. Secondly, we have the gardener. Uh, the father is the gardener. Jesus' work is not independent of the father, but they're intrinsically involved. As Jesus is the vine, God the father is the one who cares for the vine, who nourishes it, who prunes the branches. God is passionately concerned about the faithfulness, the fruitfulness of his people. Uh, just as in the Old Testament, God was the one who tended the vine. Now we see here, God is the one who tends, who nourishes, who prunes the vine so that it bears fruit. And thirdly, the branches. We are the branches. Uh, look at verse 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. We, God's people, the followers of Jesus, are the branches. Now, as Jesus unpacks this image of the vine, we see that there are two types of branches. And the two branches have two very different features. Look at verse 2. He cuts off every branch that in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. There's the branches that do not bear fruit, and they're the ones who will be cut off, left to wither, to rot, thrown out, thrown into the fire and burned. And then there's those that do bear fruit, and they get pruned so that they become even more fruitful. Now, Jesus explains further that um, this image of the branches in verses 5 to 7. In verse 5, if we remain in him and he in us, we will bear much fruit. Verse 6, if we do not bear fruit, we'll be cut off and thrown away, removed from Jesus and his blessing. Now, the prospect of being cut off should, to some degree, fill us with fear, fill us with dread. The prospect of being cut off from Jesus, cut off from God's blessing. It's the picture of being broken, dead, uh, cast away from God's loving care. Now, faced with the prospects of being cut off, how should, we, how should we respond? How should we think? What questions come to mind? Well, for most of us, it'll be, okay, well, what must I do not to be cut off? What must I do to make sure that I am bearing fruit? Uh, instinctive reaction is to think of a long list of things that we can do put in place to make sure that we are fruitful. None of us want to be cut off from the source of life, the source of God's blessing. So how are we going to bear fruit in this year? How are we going to bear fruit in the years to come? Well, it's not about doing a whole bunch of things. It's about remaining in Jesus. Look at verse 5 again, halfway through verse 5. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. 
No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You see, all we need to do is remain in Jesus. Keep trusting in him. Keep depending on him. He is the source of fruitfulness. He is the source of life. Apart from Jesus, there is no life. We're dead, cut off, thrown into the fire. I was chatting to my brother-in-law this last week, um, and he he preached on this passage a while ago, and he mentioned when he preached on it, the guy leading um, held up a stick, and he asked the kids, what is this? And then his response eventually was, it's just a stupid stick. Uh, Apparently he had a very strong Afrikaans accent, and it was very funny. Um, Before that stick was cut off from the tree, It had life in it. It could bear fruit. But once it's cut off, it's just a stick. Yes, you can make nice things out of it. You can use it for useful things. You can throw it in the fire to warm you up. But there's no life in it. Apart from Jesus, there is no life in us. There's no chance of bearing fruit. If if we want to bear fruit in 2022... We have to remain in Jesus, remain in him as the true vine. We need to keep trusting him, depending on him. That's what it means to remain in him. Depend on him as the source of life. Depend on him as the one who gives fruitfulness, the one from where fruitfulness comes. Now, as we called to remain in Jesus, it's assuming that we are in him, that we do have a relationship with him. Um, so let's just pause for a moment just to think about how, how did we come to be part of Jesus, to be joined to him. In verse 3, we see that it is as we are made clean by his words, by the words of Jesus. These are the words of eternal life, the promise of forgiveness, the promise of being washed clean by sin, uh, of our sin. It gives us the promise of being part of God's people, part of his eternal kingdom, uh, the, the hope of eternal life when Jesus returns. And we come in by that word, the word, the promise of the gospel, the promise of forgiveness because of what Jesus came to do on the cross. We've just celebrated Christmas, remembering the greatest gift that this world has ever received. As Jesus came to live a perfect life, to die that we can be forgiven, that is the word that cleanses us, the hope of eternal life. So how do we continue? Well, we continue by remaining in Jesus. It's not about what we do. It's not a long checklist that we have to do to make sure that we remain in. But keep trusting in Jesus. Even, even the good things that we should do as a Christian don't keep us in. They are the fruit. They're the outworking of being in a relationship. Staying in is trusting, depending on Jesus and in him alone. Staying joined to him, remaining in him, abiding in him, trusting him for the source of life and the source of fruitfulness. 
In verse 7, remaining in Jesus is having his words remain in us, trusting that cleansing word to continue to keep us clean, never turning away from that word of forgiveness and the promise of eternal life. In verse 9, remaining in Jesus is remaining in his love. Have a look at verse 9 and 10. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. Obeying Jesus, obeying his commands, is showing that we love him, showing that we are remaining in Jesus' love. It is loving Jesus as the ruler of our lives, as our king, as our savior, recognizing his rule, loving him, submitting to him. And as we love Jesus, his word remains in us and we'll be obedient to his command. It is impossible for anyone to bear fruit apart from Jesus. Jesus is the source of our ability to bear fruit. The Israelites failed to bear fruit and they were punished for their disobedience. We too on our own, would be no different. We would fail to bear fruit that God requires. We wouldn't stand a chance, but because of Jesus, because we are in him and he is in us, we have the source of fruit bearing. We have the source that brings us life, that gives us hope, that frees us from God's wrath and judgment. Jesus laid down his life so that we can be forgiven. He laid down his life so that we can be joined to his vine and that we can bear fruit. There's no other religion, no other philosophy that can promise that. Jesus is the one and only true vine. He is the only uh, source of fruit-bearing purity. And this should give us great comfort as we reflect on the year past. It's easy to... Think about the things that we've done wrong, the failures, the things we could have done or should have done. But the source of um, fruitfulness is being in Jesus, remaining in him. The source of that life is remaining in Jesus. All of us who are following Jesus should want to live godly lives. I'm sure you Uh, We want to be people who live lives that are glorifying to God, that brings honor to his name, lives where the transforming power of the gospel is evident to a watching world, where our fruitfulness is evident. How are we going to do this? Well, the answer is remain in Jesus, and you will bear fruit. Keep trusting in him. Keep submitting to him as your Lord and Savior. Trusting that God will prune you, that he'll nurture you to bear fruit. There's great blessing in being united with Jesus. Have a look at verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I call you friends. For everything I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, uh, the Father will give you. If we remain in Jesus, if we're connected to the vine, then we are Jesus' friends. Jesus looks at us and he calls us friends. Uh, the king of the universe, the maker of all things, the ruler of all, the sustainer of all, calls you his friend. Just pause to think about that for a moment. Just think about who, who are your good friends in this world? Maybe you spend some time uh, celebrating the, the, the coming of the new year or Christmas with some of your close friends. Think about the good times you've had with them. Think about the closeness of the relationship you have with them. But Jesus calls us his friends, not just servants. We are his friends. That's a great privilege of being united to him, being part of that vine. And he says that whatever we ask in his name, the Father will give us. Now, this isn't a, a sort of magical genie in the bottle promise. You want the red Ferrari tomorrow, it's there parked outside. I'm sure we all want the red Ferrari. To ask something in Jesus' name is to ask something in line with his purposes, his plan, his will. It means to ask as his representatives, as his agents in this world. Therefore, he is asking in accordance with his will and purposes. So we can have great confidence when we pray, great confidence that when we come before God, that he hears us and he will answer in line with Jesus' purposes uh, for us and for this world. Now, his purposes might not necessarily be what we want, might not necessarily be what we think is best, but it is what God thinks it's best. It's what's part of his plan in working out his purposes for us and for this world. So as we think about our future, as we think about 2022 and beyond, we can ask ourselves the question, are we going to live a life this year that is successful in God's eyes, that is fruitful? Are we going to bear fruit in this year ahead? I'm sure we all want to do that. But all we need to do is day by day remain in Jesus, keep trusting in him, keep his word dwelling secure in us, keep resting securely in his love, which he gave, which he showed to us by dying on the cross that we can be forgiven. Remaining obedient to his command, trusting him for the eternal salvation. If we do this, if we remain in Jesus, we will be fruitful. God promises it. And no matter what the future holds, we are secure if we keep trusting in Jesus and remaining in him. No matter what our worldly achievements will be for the year ahead, and no matter what our failures or weaknesses, and no matter what uncertainties lie ahead, if we keep trusting in Jesus, we will not fail to bear fruit. God will prune us, he will nurture us, and he will bear fruit, fruit that will last to eternity.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you for the Lord Jesus. And thank you that because of him, we can be forgiven. Thank you that because of him, uh, we can have life. That we can have the promise of eternal life, eternity in your perfect kingdom. Father, we pray that as we uh, wait for the return of the Lord Jesus, that we will depend on him and him alone as the source of life. That uh, he will uh, work in us to bear fruit. We pray that you will use us in this year ahead. Uh, use us to be uh, shining lights to a world of your transforming power. We pray that you will, uh, day by day, keep us depending on him and him alone. We pray that as we come uh, to the prospect of a new year, we pray that you will bear fruit in us, fruit that will last to eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.